Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey, David. How we doing? Eric, doing well, especially because I'm talking with you about oh. sales again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the sales guy. (laughs) (laughs) We are not sales guys. So we'll put that disclaimer out there for the folks right here in the beginning. What both of us have done, however, is run or been in executive positions of companies that have had salespeople. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have experience managing sales teams. Eric, I don't know about you, but I find at least in the businesses that I started, even though I'm not a sales person, when there's something I really believe in, when my livelihood it depends on <laughs> conveying its value to others, I can do it. Absolutely. I think especially if you're passionate about it, uh, even more so. It can take it to the next level for sure. Absolutely. And I think that kind of dovetails into this almost accidental series on sales that we've been doing. I think this is our third episode in a row that we didn't plan, but it seems to make a whole lot of sense to talk about something related to sales. I mean, we talk about growth all the time. If you're not growing, you're dying as a business and growth requires a marketing and a sales component to it in order to drive the growth. And we've talked multiple areas of where that comes from, what the source of that could be, some of the practices around it. But today we're focusing in on relationships in the sales process. Yeah. Absolutely. So important. And I don't know, Eric, if we touched on this in our recent episodes. I don't remember. I don't think we did. But I think it's really important. I think this is going to dovetail well into the conversation we're about to have. There's a concept out there that I learned early on when I was running my first business of non-manipulative selling. And it doesn't sound like a, I don't know, a, a slick sales technique to say that. And it isn't. But the idea is like salespeople can get a bad rap and sometimes for good reason when they're trying to trick you into buying their product, right? And yeah, especially if it's something that you don't want or need. And some people have the ability to actually sell you uh, ice in uh, Alaska. and Right, <laughs> right. Things that you know the person is going to regret later, but you can figure out how to get them on some emotional high that makes them do something that's not really good for them. That's terrible. That's not authentic. That's not what we're talking about today. But when salespeople are helping people discover and find the things that they do need or want, and they can do that best when the salesperson is passionate and believes in the product themselves, this is a good thing. This is how markets work. And when you're willing to engage with a customer client in such a way that you're trying to draw out of them, well, what are their pain points and how can then our products and services resolve those issues for them? And you're truly passionate about making that happen as opposed to it's just a sale. Right. And not only is it the right thing to do, people who are good at this 
actually make more money because it turns out there's a lot of money in solving people's problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll pay for it. I mean, you got to be able to do it, but if you can do it, then approaching that in a way and building your business around that and delivering that consistently, that's when you got a winner. Absolutely. And so, Eric, let's jump into our topic we talked about today. Eric, it's book review time. Oh, book review. <laughs> We're going to make it better than uh, the old fourth grade assignment that... Um, so it's not hearkening. Yeah. It's not a hearkening day. <laughs> not not it's, today. It's a book review day. Okay. Book review day. And uh, <laughs> the book, folks, that we're talking about here, this is a book Eric and I have read recently, recommended to us by a friend. I think this is a friend who is a friend of a friend of the author. So I think that makes him a friend of a friend of a friend. The book is called Find Your Six by Patrick Kilner. Eric, the title of the book, I don't know, it, it actually is an accurate title, but it doesn't grab you, really. Like, what in the world is this about? Find your six, yeah. right? It's not provocative, if that's the right word, right? But I think the subtitle to the book starts to be provocative, and it starts yeah. to explain what the book is about. It's Stop Lead Generating, Start Building Influence. So I think for a lot of people, though, wait a second, right? I mean, lead gen is how I get sales, right? So I build a pipeline, I send stuff out, right? I close rates. And Patrick Kilner really kind of blows that model up. And so let's talk about it. Yeah, and I think it's on one of the most recent episodes, we talked a little bit about quantity and quality. And I think a lot to this book is around quantity is not as important as quality. Quality over quantity. I guess you need both, but if you just focused on a quantitative prospecting, that's not what's going to get you the long-term success. It's the qualitative aspect of that that's going to get you the long-term success. Absolutely. Let's frame it up a bit here. This is written by a guy who was a real estate agent in 2008 and 2009. Um, <laughs> and for anybody younger who doesn't understand- It's a great time, time to be- yeah. Uh, it's, this is what's called the Great Recession at this point, right? In hindsight. And in particular, the industry that led the downfall in 2008, 2009 was real estate. So if you were a real estate agent in 2008 and 2009, life was not good, or at least your earnings were not good. Hopefully you're finding good life other ways, but it was a very difficult time to make money as a real estate agent. And yeah. so if you think about, so where he was, he said, all the regular tricks of the trade that worked in the bubble, the real estate bubble, the artificial one, before 2008, suddenly weren't working anymore. And he realized, wait, I have to feed my family. Things are not going so well. I need to figure out a better way. And so the book is really the part of his story about how he figured out a better way. But what I really like about the book, Eric, is he doesn't just tell his story. He very quickly jumps into practical advice that people can put into place right away. Yeah. So you don't just end yeah. up with a story, you end up with action items that you can do to put this stuff into practice. I found it to be, like you said, very practical, but on the concept side, I thought it was very relatable to me because I kind of, as going through it, reflected on my own career progression and when I've been the most successful. And it's when I had surrounded myself with people who could help me become better at what it is that I was doing. And that was not this huge number of people. It was generally a very small number of people who just gave me that extra edge, if you will. Right. And then, you know, when I had a team as a CEO, just having 
that right team around me that had the expertise in sales, in marketing, the areas where I didn't really have a whole lot of expertise, just having the right people with the right capabilities was just huge to the success during my career. It really resonated with me. And I think what also resonated with me is this sense of this whole world today of influencing in the wrong kind of way, very superficialities. We should not be focused on superficialities. We should be more focused on deeper relationship building. And those things are important to me from a personal perspective as well. Absolutely. And so just to, before we go into some of his suggestions, Eric, if I could just highlight some of the problems he's identifying, right? In yeah. addition to what you identified, Eric, is like superficial. Who wants to be that? But he's saying, even if you're okay with being superficial, it doesn't work anymore, right? More and more, <laughs> we've got machines. I mean, he wrote this book before AI. This book's not that old, but I mean, AI has just come onto the scene in the last year in a big way. And this book was written more than a year ago. The point is, though, more and more, there are machines that can do a lot of the rote work here. What he says, he says, if there's anything we've learned from the last 40 years, and he's referring to the last 40 years of using lead generation, right? It's this. If you find yourself battling to replicate the work that a computer can do, rest assured that technology is going to win that war every time. That's tough. So true. And so based on that, he then says, if your business is dependent on the lead gen model, you are fast becoming dispensable Ooh. when it comes to actually generating business, right? So, I mean, lead generation, you could put amazing effort into it and drum up a few clients today, but he argues that it's not going to be very effective and even the people you find aren't even always going to be the right people. It's just going to be massive amounts of work and you're going to stay at this superficial level. What he argues is that humans still want authenticity. Even well, they the want authenticity and they want relationship. And I will say, just as you pointed out, David, we're starting to see some where technology is like hyper disruptive in certain things. Some of the things that we hold true that we thought, I don't know, you've always got to have this or we always got to have that. Even the recent writer strike here, it's like we can actually have computers generate scripts <laughs> for us. I don't know what that says about writers, but no offense to writers, but I mean, it's just, it's that at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of things that we take for granted that will always be around that are not going to be. And if our business models are built around those, then we're going to be disrupted. But one thing that I believe you can never circumvent is relationship. And so if a business is built around some form of relationship, deep relationship and the deeper the relationship and the connectivity, the better, then you are building a long lasting business that disruption is going to be very difficult to impact that in a negative way. Absolutely. So how do we do that? There's the million dollar question. His book wasn't necessarily built around, hey, this business is better than this business or whatever. As you mentioned, David, he's in the real estate business, right? So, I mean, that has its unique relationship situations and everything. But it is some practical ways on developing relationships in whatever business that it is that you choose to be in. Absolutely. And what I think is valuable to me is what industries are really commodity? Well, one of them is real estate agents. It's very difficult, especially today, 
where everyone can get everything online, right? The machines are winning. <laughs> if someone who's a real estate agent can differentiate himself, right? Someone in a just classic commodity industry can differentiate himself to create incredibly more value than his peers, then surely the rest of us can, right? Because yeah. most of us are not working in worlds that are as commodity as real estate, at least residential real estate. I hope we're not. And so I think to me, that was something that said, okay, if this guy can do it, I can do it. We won't read the whole book for everyone, right? But um, just to give everybody, Eric, a taste of what he's going to get at in the book. And by the way, Eric and I, we're not making any money from selling this book. You know, there's no link for the referral commission. As we said, he's a friend of a friend of a friend. We've never met him. We just felt it was valuable stuff. We want to share it. And what he said is when he realized that instead of trying to say, hey, I'm a real estate agent, maybe I could sell you a house, right? He started realizing that there were people out there who were influencers, who just focused and spent their time on creating value for others. And when he, one, learned how to seek out those influencers and recognize them, and then two, how to become an influencer himself, ironically, even though he was asking for less or fewer direct real estate sales, he was making way more real estate sales because he had people mm -hmm. referring business into him at a way higher level, even in the midst of a deep recession. And so rather than sit with people and say, hey, I'm David, I'm a real estate agent. I hope you think of me when you were ready to buy a house. He would focus on really creating value for them, talking through, and he focused on people who were influencers themselves and trying to understand what's their problem. How does he create a solution around them? And often that person was not even looking to buy a house at the time, but because he was just establishing himself to them, not as a salesperson, but as a valuable person, a person who can create value, that person would refer in all these other people. Just for the timing of the podcast, we'll let the deep aspects of the chapters, um, let Patrick Kilner speak for that. But I think it just says so much to how we need to be approaching authentic relationships and here's where I think maybe we're going to deviate a little bit from the book here is how we can approach training our sales teams to have those authentic relationships. Right. And just to me, I mean, the thing that resonates with me is that authenticity. I think he refers to the uh, fake it until you make it mentality and how in today's culture, it's easier and easier to read a fake these days. But I'm just one that there's no need for all of that, right? It's like, it's who you are and be authentic with who you are. That just comes out naturally, I think. And the key is, is your actions and your delivery needs to meet with your words. So you need to be authentic in the way that you approach things. And then you need to carry through with what you say in a way that proves that you are who you say you are. And that when you do that, and when you do that aligned with solving issues for people or helping them to solve the issues for themselves, then that's when you have a long-lasting relationship and business that you can build around. Absolutely. And here was a freeing thing for me in reading this book that was actually really helpful for me, is once we kind of on the line of authentic relationships, we have different types of relationships in our lives. And when we don't understand how to recognize influencers, and in particular, there's lots of influencers who are never going to align with me. And that's okay. They're doing different things than me, right? But once I understand how to recognize influencers who 
I can work with and who we click, we resonate together, I'm able to now focus my time on them in a different way. Whereas when I don't understand how to recognize an influencer, every single human I meet in every area of my life is a potential sales target, right? And so now I'm at church trying to talk to the guy I had just met about how he might want to buy my services, right? I'm at my kid's baseball game, right? And once we start understanding that most of these people are never going to be fit into the niche that we're in and not influencers in our world, they're not less of people. They're just not in that world. I can now relate to them as, hey, I just met you at my church and we're going to worship together. And that's this relationship can be that, (laughs) right? Right, You're the parent of someone else, my kid's baseball team. This relationship can be that. And that's that's why we can connect. And that's great. That's a personal level. It doesn't have to be a business. So instead of everyone I meet trying to sell them Avon or whatever it is, right? Like I can focus my time on actual value creation. So anyway, maybe I'm digressing or rambling a bit, but that was a big (laughs) one for me. I was like, this is fantastic because I've been guilty of that before, right? I've spent time, lots of time in my past, just everyone I meet being like, oh, maybe this person I could sell them something, right? They've got money. Instead of just appreciating the relationship for what it is, I was actually selling less stuff because I was so bifurcated in my efforts. Yeah. And then in doing that, I mean, I've always said it's a, you never know. When you meet a person and you start to have that authentic relationship building, if you will, it may be not be a person that has a business connection with you, but you never know. <laughs> right. It could be years down the road and it's like, you know, that guy and I was talking and, and I knew he was in this field and he just spent time with me and he's a high character person, whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever that relationship is being built off of. And then you just never know. You never know where that's going to lead. But like you said, David, if you treat them as, you know, a contact or a lead, you're not really being authentic. You are focused on one thing and one thing only. How do I learn something from this person that I can say is either going to be direct lead or an indirect lead? And so if folks, if you're wondering, okay, well, how do I do this? There's chapters in the book on how to set the meeting up. There's a chapter called The Art of the Meeting and why you're meeting with someone, what questions to ask to help understand how you can create value for this person, how they can create value for you. Strongly recommend it. Let me just read a couple sentences from the conclusion. And then Eric, let's tie this into valuation because I think we need to bring it back to that. Final couple sentences. He says, what would your business look like if you were a connector and advisor for businesses? Someone on whom others called for advice because of your track record of finding solutions. An implicitly trusted board advisor. We all know people like this. They are the individuals who are constantly sought after for their advice. The influencers who spend most of their day, well, influencing, right? Sounds like a better way to go through the day (laughs) to me, Eric. Yeah, no, and bringing it back, as you said, from a valuation standpoint, your ability to build your business culture around this, and this is not just for you as the business owner, but beyond that, in that how you set up your sales development process and all is so important because if it's just you as the business owner, you're the person that has all the connections. That's not necessarily a good thing from a value standpoint. You might be able to pass that business on to a family member down the road or something like that. But your likelihood of being able to have that business in a sales transaction or at a reasonable price is not very good if you're the only one that does it. What you have to do is to be able to do this yourself and then teach the people in your organization from a culture standpoint to take that same mindset and approach. And that's when you really start getting leverage throughout your business. 
Absolutely, Eric. And I think you just cleared up something that probably any of our astute and more loyal listeners might have been uh, wrestling with to say, wait a second, you guys talk about valuation and the importance of not having your business be over-reliant on you. And now you're saying become an influencer and you be the value. It is true. I think that building value in yourself is a good thing just as you go through life. But Eric, you just cleared it right up there that we've got to make a process for transferring the same approach to our entire sales team. Yeah. So uh, well, I know Eric, we're coming up on our, our time, David. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to keep talking. I know people would love to keep listening to us, but they've got to go to work and, and so do we. All right. Folks, so with to that, read, though, and a good bit to utilize both for yourself personally, as well as within your business. Absolutely. So folks, we'll wrap here. We'll see you next time. We've got some more cool stuff coming. It's a preview. Next time is going to be inventory management. Oh, if wow. you think that's not exciting, it will be, I promise. <laughs> hey, it can be. <laughs> <laughs>